Welcome to the Whistleblower Newsroom. I'm Christina Borgeson. Intelligence agent, medic, and combat engineer Frank Gregory Ford had served in various branches of the U.S. military for more than 30 years when he arrived in Iraq right when the war started. Barely three months later, he found himself strapped to a stretcher, drugged, and renditioned all at the behest of his commanding officer. Upon arriving in the US, Ford was accused of treason and espionage. Why? Well, that's the subject of Midnight in Samara, the true story of WMD, greed, and high crimes in Iraq, a book about Ford's mind-blowing discoveries that prompted an immediate and brutal response from his higher-ups in the US military, most likely at the behest of others even higher up. The book was written with the help of author Eleanor Cooney, who captured Ford's voice and experiences in, a, in an account so vivid and disturbing, I had to read this book in increments. Reading it may radically rearrange your perspective on 9-11, the Iraq war, the US government, and the country's political leaders, who in this book would by a long shot win the title of Earth's greatest criminals of all time, if they were ever held accountable. Ford is with me today to talk about all of it. Welcome, Greg. Good morning, Christina. Good to be oh, here. Thanks, it's great to have you. So Greg, let's begin with the greatest hits. Before you even got to Iraq, you had a shocking experience at uh, Fort Huachuca in Arizona. Could you talk mm. about that? Yes, I will. All right. Now, when I, I had done the program, okay, of counterintelligence agent in, in Fort Huachuca, and our class was all gathered the last evening in, while we were there. And this was in an old Quonset hut out in the middle of the, of the desert, the Arizona desert. And, and we, had, we were told by our class chief, okay, a fellow who, who said, who, who knew what was going on, but the fellow came in and said, all right, we're going to have a briefing by a Lieutenant Colonel Anthony Schaefer. Okay, everybody shut up, sit down, and don't say a word, all right? And so we did, and Lieutenant Colonel Schaefer came in, <clears throat> and, and he said, okay, everyone's life is going to change in this room, all of us. And, and at that point, he said, there is going to be an attack. I want everybody to understand this, not maybe, not if, not when or where. It, there is going to be an attack the next 18 months on the United States of America, all right? And, and the group is, is going to be led by uh, Osama bin Laden and his group, Al-Qaeda. And they are going to, as we understand it, they're going to um, hijack airplanes and they're going to fly those airplanes into, first of all, the Wor World Trade Center in New York City and then they are going to uh, attack select targets in the Washington DC area. All right. And so we said, okay, great. You know, we were all senior. We had all heard stories like this before, but the thing was the emphasized, he emphasized by saying that at least nine separate intelligence agencies from around the world had uh, shouted a, what was called a flash flash warning. All right, that means immediate uh, attention and immediate action on this warning. And so, so uh, what happened was he said, at that point, he said, okay, uh, understand this and, and I'm gonna take you, all, everyone here outside, outside the classroom, I want you to look across the valley. And, and this, is, this is the valley up near uh, Tombstone, Arizona. And he said, I want you to look across the valley and see there's a, 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 an air park with several aircraft maneuvering and, and moving around. And we, we stepped out, we did, we could see it. <clears throat> and he said, that is 
uh, Pinal Morona Air Park, all right? And he said, understand this, is that the people that are going to be attacking the United States flying those airplanes are there right now under those vapor lights that are shining on those airplanes. And at that point, uh, he said that, as we understand it, uh, they are they are not Saudi Arabians, all right? They are uh, Baluchi nationals, Baluchistan nationals, on contract with the Saudis, and they're going to be doing this terrorist attack. And the company that is arranging all this training is Boeing, the Boeing Air Company, all right? We all know Boeing, and yes, it was a shock to us too, all right? And so he said uh, they had to hire specific linguists, all right, linguists that could actually train uh, in the Baluchi dialect. So, okay, so we, we all said, all right. So what it, we went back in the room and, and the questions came up and said, okay, look, why, why doesn't the FBI just arrest these people? And, and he said, because... It's real simple. And, and, and several Department of Justice people raised their hands too. And he said, he said, understand this. He said, we can't arrest them. We can't do anything up to them until they actually implement this attack. And what did the, what again, what again were his exact words about who was being attacked, what was going to be attacked? The, the United States of America was going to be attacked. Where? Right? And, and, uh, and of course, that to narrow it down, he specifically said the, uh, the World Trade Center in New York, and a, a few hands went up and said, why the World Trade Center? And, and they said, because that was an arrangement that had been made to attack the World Trade Center because they had attempted to destroy the World Trade Center once before, and they had failed. And so... Uh, and, and, and at this point, yes, everything sounded really fishy, of course, and really suspect. But the thing was, is then, then somebody said, okay, why doesn't the FBI just go put the, put the, put them in handcuffs, march them off to prison? Are you kidding? And they said, they said at, at Colonel Schaefer said this, he said, because they, we can't make a move legally on these people until they actually do something, okay, till they implement the attack. That makes no sense to me at all, but okay, where else were they gonna attack, any place else? Well, and, and then they were going to follow up with the other high, hijacked uh, airplanes, the, which were the airplanes across the valley at the Pinal Air Park. Uh, they were going to uh, hijack several other airplanes because they were training for it and they were going to hit select targets in the Washington DC area. Okay, and, and so, <clears throat> so we, all we could do was say, all right, uh, we'll stand by, we'll stand by and stand up as, as President Trump would say. So the thing, so the thing was at this point, um, he said, all right, go home. Everybody go, in this room, go home and get your affairs in order. You, you need to get your uh, wills in order, your estates in order, and your families um, legally provided for, everybody in this room. And, uh, and at that point, we said, okay, all right, we did. And- Why, like of, why, why did he say that? Because he said, we are going to be pursuing, you know, which is outside the United States, all, all of us agents were going to be pursuing these terror, these quote terrorists, these Al Qaeda terrorists, because we couldn't operate. The reason why we're doing that, we could not operate uh, on U.S. soil. Intelligence agents cannot, at that time, could not operate on U.S. soil. Well, now, FBI could. Yes, the FBI could, and when we asked about the FBI. That was the answer we were given, was that the FBI said, no, they cannot move on these terrorists because they haven't done anything wrong yet. Okay, so 
I'm I'm really not understanding something because is it not the FBI's job to foil terrorist attacks too, or the NSA's job, or I mean, is it not the FBI's job to foil terrorist attacks? Yes, it is. All right, but the thing is, is that the FBI has a spectacular history of of saying yes, they knew about terrorist attacks after the terrorist attacks had started or been carried out. And they said, they had a long history of saying, yes, we penetrated the group, we knew all about them, but we didn't stop the attack. Like, like in this case, like the situation of the World Trade Center, when they set off a massive bomb in the, in the, in the basement of one of the towers, all right? And they claimed, and the FBI was claiming uh, have a man on the inside that had penetrated the terrorist group, and they and did. Was... They did, and they took him off mo- a few months before. Uh, before that's the '93 bombing, right? In my I agree. Uh, In Christina, my I I agree with you. That's all true. But the thing was, is is at that point, um, the FBI the FBI didn't move. They didn't stop it. All right, they have a long history of not stopping things like presidential assassinations, uh, terrorist attacks. Okay, and, and then and then they claim to have known all about it all along. That's so how the, the FBI does things. Here? What's the implication here? <clears throat> well, the implication is political restraint. All right, the, the FBI, like all uh, bureaucracies is incapable of doing what they're supposed to be doing at the time. Yeah, but something's not making sense to me here because this guy comes in and literally tells you, get your your affairs in order because we know this is gonna happen and you're gonna go chase these guys uh, in the Middle East. Uh, So it's as if they knew it was gonna happen, they were gonna let it happen. And then they knew, and they had already assigned you to do what you had to do after it happened. That's what it sounds like. Well, as I understand it, and and I did, I can say personally that I ended up working when I came back after I'd been renditioned and tortured in the Middle East, and I came back by our own people. All right, I came back. I actually went uh, worked and gave information to the FBI. And that's where I saw the spectacular inactivity that the FBI is capable of. They were given all this information, especially in my book, they were given the information, they found out who did what, how they did it. And I, I've gathered a sense of like, from them, from the FBI, this is their headquarters in California. They looked at me and said, well, yeah, this is all good. But hey, you can't hold us responsible for any of this. Well, right? I mean, th- something is wrong in, in so many ways because if you have all these intelligence agencies in the United States knowing about it, okay, they know what's happening. Boeing is actually training them and they know that, okay? And then, and then they say, well, we have to let it happen. And then you're assigned, you know, 18 months before it happens, you're, you're assigned to go after the perpetrators before the perpetrators do their job. If I'm looking at this thing, I'm saying, this thing, was this planned with the help of the government? I mean, what is, what is this? I don't get it. Well, as it I'm can't sure just everybody- be, oh, the FBI doesn't do anything. You had more all these agencies who knew, you know. Well, the situation was, and I'm sure everybody remembers this, that immediately that happened was the FBI came out with immediate um, cover stories about why they didn't didn't do what they did, why they didn't pounce on it, uh, pounce on this situation, when they could have saved 3,000 New Yorkers, okay, 3,000 Americans. Well, not citizens. to mention the thousands of, of Americans and Iraqis who have died and Afghanis and all, everybody else who've died after that. I mean, absolutely. Okay. And, and so the thing was, is they were vehement 
they were vicious. And I and have several whistleblowers from the FBI come forward and said, yes, they did know. All right. And they were given very specific well, orders. How it wasn't just the FBI. You can't just pin this on the FBI when all the other intelligence agencies. Oh, oh, I'm not. I'm not. You know, I mean, the, F the CIA, I mean, first of all, they were handing out you know, visas to these guys. They were coming in and out of the United States for, for years, you know? But I wanna move on. I just wanted people to hear this story because I was, I was so shocked when I heard it. But then, uh, then the shocking hits just keep coming because you get to Iraq, you, you are now, you've cultivated some amazing sources. I mean, amazing sources. And one of them, you're, the main one for some of these things that you talk about is a guy you call the Sheik. Uh, talk about what the Sheik led you to. By the way, I'd like to segue for a second, okay, to your response. Now you say the CIA uh, knew about this, the FBI knew about this, yes. NSA, NSA knew N about it. NSA, and, you know, and I don't, I don't, I, I really, at this point, I'm really tired of hearing about, I've heard about all of this for years and years, okay? And so the, the thing was, is that I can say this for a fact. I know this for a fact. John Brennan, everybody knows John Brennan, the former CIA director. And now, and of course, he's, he's coming across as a martyr and a victim. Well, I know John Brennan personally and specifically in in uh, uh, Riyadh, okay, in the embassy in Riyadh, he specifically waived all the entrance restrictions coming into the United States for all of the hijackers, specifically for the hijackers that took part in this action. All right. He can, he can deny it. He can say what he wants. I don't care. At this point, I've heard, heard all the nonsense from all these people about what happened in, on 9-11 and how they weren't really to blame. Well, that's the thing is, I know different, and I know John Brennan specifically waived all the visa restrictions that had been in place put on those agents specifically. And I, I've been told exactly you know, uh, and I have no reason to d deny the other information concerning why he had why he had lifted those restrictions, uh, and he allowed them to come into the United States, where they proceeded to uh, commit the atrocities of 9/11. Well, if he let them, if he let them in specifically, doesn't that make you sp suspicious about the uh, CIA's intentions? Are you kidding? <laughs> yeah. Yes, I am suspicious. I've been suspicious, and I state that in my book and, and my follow-on book. Uh, let me see. What is it? Spying in the Time of COVID that is being written right now, okay? that Yes, I am suspicious for all these reasons and about the, the sale of arms and weapons to Saudi Arabia, which is going on right now at this at this point and so i said i say okay yes all right i am i was at the time and i'm retired now a, hum, a humble civil servant of, of the intelligence services and so i was getting ready to retire despite all all the ac accusations and insults that the intelligence company uh, communities have leveled against me Yes, I was in the process of retiring myself, all right? So what we have is a, is a situation where everybody's pointing the finger at everybody else, despite the overwhelming evidence. And, and something about this whole really stinks because like Donald Trump was being accused of this morning, he's saying the buck doesn't really stop here, it goes somewhere else, okay? <laughs> the buck of responsibility. Yes. Well, that is exactly what I had to deal with. You know, you know, they're in Iraq, in the whole situation, everything from, from weapons of mass destruction that were uh, sold by our companies 
specifically the Carlisle Group, all right, which had been started by George H.W. Bush. And, and I had to ascertain all of this material when I was sitting in a bunker, you know, a dark underground bunker, uh, looking at the weapons of mass destruction that were stacked there with their documentation. Okay, wait, what, let me back up because you have to tell, you have to tell uh, our viewers and listeners that the Sheik led you, said, you know, you guys are here, you're attacking Iraq because uh, you want the weapons of mass destruction. The UN had come and gone several times looking for them, didn't find them. And he said, I'll take you to them. And so he took you to this bunker and, and tell, tell us what you found. What weapons of mass destruction did you find? All right. Um, I, and what was I, on the bill of lading? Right, okay. For so, these weapons. Okay, so jumping ahead, I was in Iraq and we had, we're at the Blad Air Base, all right? And uh, the Blad Air Base is the biggest air base in all of Iraq. And uh, at that point, I, I had, and several other intelligence agents had gone down to the Tigris River. And uh, we, were, we were talking to a, a, a water treatment manager, a water treatment plant manager. And, and it turns out, as I was wat watching, I was providing security for my team when they were speaking to this manager and a colonel, the colonel from the 447 fighter bomber wing came walking down. And of the he Iraq's, was a rocks air force. I'm sorry. The colonel was from a rocks air force. Yes. You know, from the Iraq air force. All right. And he was the colonel and, and he, he, he actually resided, you know, just above the water treatment plant there on the Tigris river. And he came walking down and fortunately he spoke uh, very good English. He sounded like a bit of a, a, a bit actor on a Clint Eastwood movie, a Western movie, okay? An Italian spaghetti Western is what he sounded like. But the thing was, he spoke very good English. And, uh, and the thing was, is he said, look, he said, I know what you Americans just invaded my country for, and I, I'm going to take you. If I take you to this, these weapons of mass destruction, will you leave? Will you get the hell out of my country? And, and I, I said, as far as I can tell, and if I have anything to do with it, yes, we will. And so at that point, he said, okay, fine. Tomorrow morning, I will walk over. I know exactly where you are. I will walk over to the intelligence village and, and, yeah, and we, will, we will walk over to the bunker, the arms bunker where these weapons are stored. And, and of course, the next morning I did, and I thought, at that point, I, th I, I thought, okay, Greg, this is one of the stupidest things you've ever done, all right? You go into a, a darkened bunker you know, with weapons of mass destruction with an Iraqi national, all right? So, so we did, I, I walked down, we, we located it. It was less than 100 yards away from where we'd, we'd set up our our office and our, and our command structure. And so walked over, walked over, there it was. You have se several layers down, several stair layers down. Uh, we walked down and I put my gun on him and I said, okay, we are in front of a door. And I said, if you make a move, I'm gonna kill you on the spot. Understand this, he said, I completely understand. And so he, he opened the door and, and and it was a metal door with a, with a ship bolt throwing, thrown across it, opened it. And I said, okay, you go first because I was concerned about booby traps. Okay. And, 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 a, and, a, and a good potential way of, of ending up on the, on the internet with my head being cut off too. I was concerned about that. And so, so I, I put the gun on him. We walked in, I turned, it was totally total blackness. I had a red light on me and the red light was, I used that specifically 
in case it was booby-trapped, I was worried about a white light setting off a bomb, okay? So we walked in and, and all I could make out were several racks, you know, wood, wooden crates, long wooden crates, um, and they were, and each wooden crate had specifically about, they were about 14 feet, 14 to 15 feet long, and they were tubes. They looked like long gray tubes, gray green tubes. And, and he said, you wanted weapons of mass destruction? Here they are. And I said, okay, what am I looking at? And he said, this is as the Russians who had briefed us said, these are from America. These are the VX slash GF canisters of nerve gas. The, the, and he, I said, okay, well, what does that mean? He said, uh, he said, all of these gas canisters are from your, your president, President Bush. I said, what are you saying? And he said, yes, your company, okay. And, and he, he tore off one of the bills of lading and handed it to me. He said, these bills of lading and shipment and, and assembly and manufacture are all from the Carlisle Group, and these weapons were produced, reconfigured, was the word he used, reconfigured in your Fort Rucker, Alabama. And, and I said, are, are you joking? And he said, yes, he, he, no, he said, here, here they are. And, and you can read all about how they were transported over to, over to us. They were brought by, uh, and they were given to us by your CIA, your CIA, and and George H. W. Bush assigned these weapons, so my planes, my planes could take these weapons, and and drop them on the Kurds, okay, the Kurds and the Iranians, all right. I said, I said, uh, okay, all right. You you have this in the paperwork. He said, yes, it's all here in their paperwork, I specifically flew these weapons to the, uh, the, the Halabja campaign, which killed uh, at least 100,000, maybe more of, of, of the Kurds, and which, which, by the way, in the United States, I had a picture come to my mind of several, uh, several um, villagers running for their lives, to, to, um, including mother, mothers carrying babies to get away from this nerve gas, this VX nerve gas, which had been dropped on the Kurds. And, and he said also, he said, you should have some pictures, you should have some pictures, he said, of Do Donald Rumsfeld delivering, hand delivering these weapons to Saddam Hussein and also your Dick Cheney, all right? Your, uh, at the time, uh, he was a defense director of defense, Dick Cheney, and he said at that point he said they delivered these to us to drop on the Iranians, which killed a million Iranians in the Shah Rob waterway, and they also killed several hundred thousand uh, Kurds in in the Halabja campaign in northern Iraq. And I, I said, okay, I can keep all these. And, and, and these records. And he said, by all means, take them, take them to your commander, all right, and have them get rid of them, get rid of these things, and you can get rid of yourselves w when you leave. All by right? the way, you, uh, you mentioned in your book that um, just, you know, these were obviously remnants because Halabja and all that happened in the 80s. But apparently there were some bills of lading that showed that they had been delivered even later. Some had been delivered even later than that. Right, exactly. Now, the, now I counted, physically counted 29 warheads of these warheads in the bunker. Uh -huh. And, and I, as far as I could tell, when I examined the bills of lading, they all had different delivery dates, okay? So, you know, uh, it wasn't just one big delivery and then they forgot about the rest. 
all right, know that it was several deliveries that had been made by Donald Rumsfeld, okay, and also Dick Cheney, and they had been brought over on the USS Wabash, okay, the na naval supply ship, and they had been trucked in, as I understand it, you know, they had been trucked in from Syria, Spain, Spain to Syria, and then from Syria across the border to where they were at Balad, all right? So at that point, I said, this is too amazing. I made a point of disconnecting the dispersal door on one of, one of the canisters. There, it, was a, it was a metal flap on the back of the canister for dispersing the VX gas when they are activated. And uh, I took the dispersal door, I took it with, and the bills of lading, I took it to my commander and I said, this is it. These are the weapons of mass destruction that we have sold. Uh, Saddam Hussein, who was our employee since 1958, he was our employee as well as the Shah of Iran was our employee. Right. Okay, at the same time, and here they are, and, 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 and you, decide, you, you decide what to do, Commander. But the thing is, we, we have what weapons of mass destruction, what we need. Here they are, the evidence. And he, he looked, I set it down on his desk, and I said, by the way, you can see the GSN number. What's on, that? On, stamped. That stands for General Services Supply. Okay, the Government Supply Office for supplying everything that you can imagine ship anchors to uh, nerve gas, okay? Yes, that, the, the supply number for ordering more, more um, uh, P400s, these P400 canisters was stamped in the metal on the dispersal door on his desk. So he said, and I said, I made the offer. I said, do you want me to go speak to CNN? Because they and were right there. They happened to be right there, right? They, yes, they were less than 100 yards away. All right. And so he said, let me give the Pentagon a call and notify them of all the material we found. Okay. And he, 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 he jumped into his Hummer. He, he had a Hummer, jumped into his Hummer. He, he came back 10 minutes later after looking in this, in this bunker, came back and said, oh my God, you have found the mother load of weapons of mass destruction, all right, to me. And, and then he immediately went in, contacted the Pentagon. He came, ba he came back out a, a few minutes later looking white, okay? He, the blood had drained from his face. And he said, uh, basically, we have to get rid of all evidence of, of these weapons of mass destruction because of their connection to the, the president, the sitting president, George H.W. Bush and, uh, and George W. Bush. And also these weapons are connected to the Carlisle group. There are weapons. All right. So, so the, I, I said, well, commander, that's your, your job. Okay, I'm out of here. I, you, I have to go to Samara, the city of Samara and he said, yes, I want you out of here. I don't want you talking to anybody. I don't want you mentioning this to anybody. You are out of here, all right? And so I said, all right, good. And the next day I was, I was on the road to Samara, the famous biblical city of Samara. And-, and uh, What was the date again? What was the date again that you, that all this happened? This was about, okay, um, um, let me see. This was probably 2003. This is probably uh, April. Okay. Okay. April I, I 2003. Okay. But the thing was, is that, is that the CNN transmit site was right there, which we could have made the announcement, which I found completely mystifying. And, and Wolf Blitzer was there uh, as the the announcer on CNN, Wolf Blitzer, was there, 
And I thought that this would be a great opportunity to make this announcement. And he also, there was also Geraldo Rivera was there. Okay, so, but on a, on a closing note, on a closing uh, parting shot, he said, the commander said, I have to talk to British intelligence about, about these weapons because British intelligence, they have happened to have what are called the plasma furnace. And, 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 and plasma furnaces are what they, they're mobile and the, and the British used these plasma furnaces to put all of those, of those canisters of WMD, those weapons of mass destruction canisters into the plasma furnaces and destroy those those weapons of mass destruction. Okay, so wait a second. That whole spiel that um, Powell gave about Saddam's weapons, mobile uh, units with weapons of mass destruction, hmm. all of that stuff, that was just pure BS and everybody knew it. Rumsfeld had to have known. They all knew it because they all knew they all knew what WMDs were there. They knew where they were and they knew they were theirs. Is that correct? Let me see. There are a couple of famous pictures now. You can get them online. Everybody should pay attention. If you want to see Donald Rumsfeld hand delivering these weapons of mass destruction and shaking the hand of Saddam Hussein receiving those weapons and those weapons were being deployed within two hours after he received those weapons. Uh, you can see it. There's a picture, very famous picture. And also there's a picture of Dick Cheney taking the next batch of, of, of uh, WMD that were dropped on the Iranians a little bit later. All right. I, I don't. I mean, okay. aren't these aren't these war crimes? Aren't these I'm war sorry? crimes? Aren't these war crimes? Yes, they're of course war crimes. You know, these people had just involved the United States in massive war crimes, okay, by sending and then lying to the American people by telling them that there were no weapons of mass destruction in Iraq. All right. And I, I had just delivered these this information. I delivered the weapons. And I delivered the bills of lading, the documentation, which were, by the way, at that point, they were being very carefully um, destroyed. The, the, all, most of that, most of that documentation. Well, they're not all destroyed now, are they? Bills no, they're not. No, they're not. But the thing was, is that, and I, and I said, okay, why are they trying to get rid of these documentation, this, doc, you know, this bills of lading and so forth? And the answer I got was, is that there was something going on right now in, in all of Iraq that it, the, the statement was at least 60 documents a day are being destroyed that connect Saddam Hussein with George H.W. Bush. Okay. And so, so there I am, okay, with all of this documentation, probably the last documentation that they would have connecting weapons of mass destruction to the Carlisle group, which had been, been uh, found, founded by George H.W. Bush. All and a right. few other people. I mean, the, the guy who actually ordered the um, reconfiguration of, of the, uh, the, can the canisters, wasn't that a guy named uh, Rosenstein or something like that? He was a he was, uh, he's a billionaire, Carlisle. He was head of Carlisle for a while. David Rubenstein. Rubenstein, Rubenstein, right. Okay, and, and so, so uh, yes, they were reconfigured because they couldn't, uh, because our government couldn't make the red-eye gas dispersal system work, all right? It, it took too much to get them to figure it out, so they, 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 uh, they canceled the red eye program, the gas dispersal program, and actually had the P400 1000 pound bomb casings, which I was standing in Iraq, I was standing right next to, all right, uh, when I was re reading about these things, 
all right, these weapons. And, and that's what and they were reconfigured. And, and then they were in, in Fort Rucker, they were sent to, at that point, they, when they were reconfigured, they were re reconfigured with VX, the new VX slash GF, by the way, chemicals. And, and they were sent to Pine Bluffs, Arkansas, okay, for later disposition to ship to whatever, wherever they needed them. They were shipped, and then from there, they were moved by railhead, railhead to the, uh, the port of uh, the Houston, Houston Waterway, okay, in Houston, which was, of course, that plant where they were shipped to, where they were charged with the, the, the platinum uh, nerve gas, platinum-based nerve gas, uh, Per, which was the original, original, by the way, formulation, as I understood it, original formulation of Cyclone B, Cyclone oh. B, which, which used in the Holocaust, which the Bush family had sold the patents to, uh, sold the patents to for royalties to IG Farben. IG Farben, all right. IG Farben is the largest chemical company today left alive of course and part and and i just discovered this myself recently is that the ig farben actually was was financed you know from, from this process but also a group called uh, rwe was directly built up as this as a result of this financing of these weapons rwe stands for rhineland Westphalia Electric, which is the largest uh, utility company in the world right now. Okay, so so what we have is 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 a weapons of mass destruction, utilizing a lethal nerve gas that had been produced by the original chemical formula and patents chemical patents for the Bush family, the Bush crime family, and and these and these weapons this uh, is like see. a rico case or something i this is crazy this is crazy well, i'm i'm tired of trying i'm i'm christina i'm really tired of trying to make people listen okay this is what happened all right wow. and so didn't and so you the, also talk about nuclear detonators that were provided oh yes down the road okay oh. down the road oh yes so and 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 again, who's responsible for the nuclear detonators? Then that uh, one of them. And let me see. Okay, I, we just segued into a new subject matter, but the thing is, <laughs> is this: is that um, the uh, nerve gas? Yes, was what is what Cyclone B was, which the Germans used on the concentration camp. Right. Uh, prisoners Victims, okay yeah. and yeah. and what we when you have vx slash gf okay the gf stands for the new improved nerve gas that was responsible and by the way i want everybody to realize this is this is that there was only one person when we went into the middle east there was only one person that was told that these lethal unbelievably dangerous weapons were were there in Balad, and they were there, uh, uh, possibly, you know, leaking. Okay, at the time, the, the this nerve gas was given to, uh, to Norman Schwarzkopf. General Norman Schwarzkopf was the only person who knew that those weapons were there, and 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 not to tell anyone. All right. I'm sure as hell died with that secret. Yeah. Yes, Norman Schwarzkopf, Storman Norman himself, and and he kept it secret. All right, and he kept and he ordered a deletion from the alpha, what are called alpha roster weapons lists. Okay, all the weapons that were used in the Middle East. Okay, that they were all listed on the alpha roster. Well, guess what? I'm sorry, but these weapons were de specifically deleted. Okay because of their political connection to the Bush family and the Carlisle group, all right? That, that, that's what happened. 
Now and, you and so, kept you kept one of the bills of lading, didn't you? Um, that's something I don't talk about. Yes. Oh, yes. All right. And the reason why, because I didn't plan. realize, I yeah. didn't realize later on I was going to be renditioned. I didn't realize it, but I knew I needed paperwork and I had to send the, that that information out, okay, out of a war theater. And the thing was, is that information was there, all right? It went out and this is, this is the bills of lading and all the information that I just gave your listening audience yeah. concerning those weapons, all right? So, and so uh, now you were asking about the, about the nuclear detonators. Right, when, was, okay. when were those found? Okay. You were well, busy in your three months there. <laughs> I, I'm, I'm sorry. I said you had a busy three months before they strapped you down and yanked you out. Oh boy, boy, that's gratitude. <laughs> exactly. they, they, were so, they were so grateful. They ended up, uh, um, let me see, torturing me, interrogating me with MK Ultra drugs and, <laughs> and, and they shipped me. And by the way, I'll make this offer anybody that is that is listening that can find out and can state how i left iraq all right now our, our our government even the supreme court of the united states won't go there okay they don't want to go there they don't want to discuss it how i left iraq all right yeah there, there's okay. no record of it right i'm sorry there's no record of how you left iraq there's no paperwork uh you know there you know when you when when you leave when you leave the the when you leave uh, con the combat theater you, and you go home there's a lot of paperwork involved with that right yes yes where's your Absol paperwork absolutely right? right absolutely yes well you can ask ask the command and ask the US government where my paperwork is because as i've been told and i've actually had people contact me uh, and or on film, they 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 ch challenged me and they said, "You don't have any paperwork. How did you get? How did you leave Iraq?" And I said, "You can call George W. Bush, or you can call the commander of armed forces of the theater, or you can call that psychotic uh, loser that actually had me strapped to a stretcher and flown out." With, with a with a MK Ultra drug uh, IV running into my system where I was interrogated. You can ask them how I got out of Iraq. All right. Yeah. yeah. So, and and so at that point, at that point, I realized that that the whole thing was going sideways dramatically because the information about Abu Ghraib hadn't happened yet. It hadn't been released yet. Remember, the, the situation of Abu Ghraib was global. It was worldwide. It was disastrous, and so and so when you when you see all all the disastrous photos, photograph and, and that were taken of Abu Ghraib, realize that those were my command members. Those are members of my intelligence team that were in those photos. Man. And you were you blew the whistle on them, which which was what got you in trouble. But we're getting ahead of ourselves because right. um, we were talking. We only have time. We're gonna do a we're gonna do a series of shows with you, Greg. So um, because I think it's so important to cover everything you discovered. Um, talk about the nuclear detonator since we're on the WMD part of this. Okay, I will. Now. The thing is, is we were on our way in to Balad. We're on a road, uh, okay, of course, from southern Iraq, you know, in, coming into a place called. Um, excuse me, I'm I can't. I'm thinking of the name. Okay. Okay, the, it's okay if you don't remember the name. Okay, it, it was actually called the Al Akakafa uh, Weapons Facility the Al-Akaka Weapons Facility, all right? And so we came in, 
we were, we were driving in and I had another intelligence agent with me. I was the only one qualified to, to examine special ordnance or any, any kind of unusual explosives or anything like that. And so at, at the facility, and by the way, when you, when you hear about IEDs that were killing our troops, right. killing thousands of our troops, that this is where the explosives that killed our troops and destroyed our vehicles came from, was this facility. Nowhere else was the Alacaca facility. And so, and so we drove in and, and we checked one of the doors, huge metal doors. These were all ordnance bunkers, huge ordnance bunkers. Maybe there's maybe 300 ordnance bunkers there in the facility. And we had to use the Humvee to press, to, to press the door closed so we could throw the bolt to get in. And because and, they were jammed packed with weapons and explosives, each, each bunker. And so we walked in, we finally got it open, walked in, I went first, checking for booby traps and all this stuff. And the thing was, is there was something, there was something in that bunker and it took me years to finally figure out what it was and who put it there, all right? There was, there was about eight to 10 wooden crates about halfway down in the bunker. And, and, and I wasn't sure what I was looking at, but I saw the radiation sign, the Rankin sign. Okay. Yeah, it's and, called the trefoil or something. I'm sorry, but it's called a trefoil sign or something, right? And I, and I, and each country has its own color combination for right. They do, right? right. There was for some Russian. Time. There was Russian equipment in there. There was French equipment, and there was, and I found out the hard way. There was American nuclear material in those bunkers, and and so it it took me a, a while to figure out what it was, and like I said. I finally had to make the acquaintance and, um, and make, uh, he actually became a good friend. He was the, he, he was the nuclear engineer who designed the nuclear detonation pits. They're called pits, nuclear pits. And he designed those. He was a nuclear engineer in Los Alamos, Mexico, New Mexico. And so, and so I, I was speaking to him and I said, I had, I told him I had no idea what I had seen. Maybe he could tell me what it was. And he said, okay, sit down at my desk. I will, I will give you some examples of my work. And he showed me, and he says, what you saw in Iraq in that bunker, was it this? And I said, I took one look and said, that's exactly what I saw on the top shelf of all these crates that had been smashed open. And he said, oh my God, you, you saw that? And, and I said, yes, I did. He said, oh my God, I don't know what to do now. And I said, well, I, I don't know, that's what I saw. And he said, he said, that was a specifically designed nuclear cherry pit, okay? That's what they're called, a nuclear pit. And it's, it's a, a plutonium machined a specific detonation sphere that has a chemical uh, has an instrument package that can be carried. A person can can carry one of these packages. They they're called commonly called a, a suitcase bomb. All right, and a suitcase bomb, yes, is what it was. And he said, I designed those, and I designed those. It was one of the first executive orders that George. W. Bush uh, signed when he got into office. When he first got into office, uh, this was two, what, 2000? He specifically designed those pits because they, and I said, why these pits? And he said, because they have a slower burning fuse. They burn slow, more slowly uh, and they can be used to detonate dirty bomb material. And I, so how did they get to Iraq? Who sent them to Iraq? Oh, oh yes. He, and he did explain that. He said, he said, um, 
Um, let me see. Okay, first of all, the these weapons were transported by a Navy admiral. And there's a picture of this Navy admiral online. His name is Admiral Joseph Lopez. And and he said, and and, and this was coming from from Don Brown, the engineer, Don Brown, and he said that Joseph Lopez had resigned to specifically take this assignment to deliver for Halliburton, Halliburton Logistics, you know, these specific nuclear pits and, and, and hand deliver them, okay? And so they were delivered to this bunker courtesy of the American government, courtesy of, of Halliburton Corporation, and they were designed and engineered in Los Alamos, New Mexico. And, 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 and at this point, I said, okay, all right. Now, what do I need to know about this? Or do I need to know about this? He said, and he told me all the specifics about how their, plut you know, their plutonium weight and how they're engineered and the specific uh, diameter of each one. And he said that, that uh, um, let me see, how did, how, how did he put it? He said, there was suspicion that these nuclear pits were used in the World Trade Center, the WTC. And, and, and he said they were placed in the, the bedrock, the bedrock underneath the buildings of the North Tower and South Tower. Wait a second now. Wait a second. Um, well, are, is the implication somehow that they were sent to Iraq and then brought back, brought back for that job or something? I mean, or you're, he's just saying that the, there's a suspicion that the same things were used, same things you found in that bunker were used in um, in the 9/11 attacks on the World Trade Center. That. As far as I know, that is correct. And, and, if, and the thing is, is you have to realize how quickly did, did the Amer American government get rid of that wreckage from the 9-11 towers? Why, why would they send those? We don't have very much time. We literally have like one minute, but why would they send nuclear detonators to Iraq? Well, it goes something like this. Do you remember Valerie Plame? Yes. Right, and her husband, Joe Wilson? Yep. Well, it, it appears is that is that, yes, there was some sort of material, radioactive material being made and produced in Iraq. As yeah, I with our help, but why? Okay, well, remember, let me see. What what was it? The Osiris reactor? Yes. Yes. That's what it was producing was dirty bomb material. All right. Yeah, and, but why why are we giving them the detonators for that? Is my question. <laughs> hey, hey, I'm just a humble civil servant. Okay, Christina. All right. Okay. I'm not sure about this stuff. Okay? All right. Let me but, because we've run out of time and I, I'm sure by now my listeners and viewers can tell that I mean if your hair isn't on fire already it should be but it will you know Greg is going to come back and light your hair on fire again uh, for part two of uh, well, part two parts two and three I think it's going to be about three hours of, of this uh, interview, because people need to hear what you have to say. It would be my pleasure. All right. And okay. I will explain, I will explain why these dirty, these nuclear pits were used and they were planning on being used in other attacks. And, and the most one that, that recently was of course, the World Trade Center. And also everybody saw the, the next attack was in Indonesia. Okay, we've got to leave it there. We've got to leave it there. So okay. I'm gonna, I'm, you know, I'm gonna say goodbye and thank you, but to be continued.
we are going to do another two hours with with Greg. So um, stay tuned. Thank you so much, Greg. My pleasure. Thank you.